Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. The title of the message is Divine Entrapment. Divine Entrapment. Now, for the land of the free and the home of the brave, being entrapped anyway, including divine entrapment, may offend you. But I want you to listen carefully as to what it means to be a child of God. We all want to see others saved, but we don't realize what the biggest hindrance to evangelism is in our world today. I want to try to show it to you very clearly from the Scripture. I put in the bulletin uh, the, another Scripture for you to read out of the 14th chapter of Luke, verse 25 through 33. The 33rd verse of that reading talks about nobody is worthy to be a disciple of Jesus Christ that is not willing, now listen to me, to forsake all, to forsake all, to follow him. We're not worthy. I want you to look as I read from the book of John. This is a uh, very, very uh, intimate writing some people say 1 John, other than the book of the Song of Solomon, is uh, the most intimate book in the Bible as a father is writing to his children. And what the writer John here is trying to portray is as God speaks to us, his children, what does he want to say to us? I want to read to you four verses out of 1 John. Now, this is not the Gospel of John. Go back to the Revelations, then turn left and come back to 1 John. First chapter, four verses, verses 1, 2, 3, 4. Now, if you don't have a Bible, uh, we will have the words, I'm sure, on the screen. So let's all stand, and we're reading in respect to the Scriptures. Listen very carefully to four verses. I want you to just pick up, before I start reading, the first four verses, uh, first uh, words from... Uh, the passage in the first verse of the chapter is that which was from the beginning, that which was from the beginning. What we're fixing to hear means it's always been that way, it is that way when this was written, and it continues to be that way, or this way, even today. Listen to what it says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, now listen to this, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us and truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. May God bless the reading of His Word, and would you be seated. Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about a ministry that is relevant, and a ministry that is common to all of us if we claim to be a child of God. 
When you hear the word evangelism, you think about talking. Four spiritual laws. Roman road to salvation. We, we think of evangelism as talking and knowing what to say to people so that people will hear the right things and then we'll take what we have said to them and transpose it into their life and then they respond by praying a prayer that the Lord would come into their life. Now, that is, there's nothing wrong with that. It just didn't go to the rest of the story. All of us are saved by grace through faith. There's no way to be saved, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his stripes, the Lord Jesus, we've been healed. We're saved by grace. It is a free gift. But we must understand what that gift is. The only way a person can be saved is for God to move into their life. The only way God is ever going to move into a life is to be invited in. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. You've got to open the door. If you open the door, I will come in. But the power that we all have is not that we've been to 15 classes on how to win people to, to Jesus by taking the scriptural road or whatever. That's not the key because there's one thing that will mess all of that up and we do a very good job at it. And that is that the scripture is very clear that Christ in us is the hope of glory. The thing that we must understand is People don't need to be worried, and you don't need to be worried about what you say because people are not listening, they're watching. And what they're watching for is not so much just for you to fall, although they suspect that will happen, but they're looking to see some evidence that God lives in your life because they're looking for God. They're not looking for a formula. They're not looking for a system. They're not looking for a religion, and no, they're not looking for a church, but they are looking for God. Because there's a hunger in every person for God, on any planet, in, a, in any culture. God came to this earth to not help us live a better life. He came into this world to take over our life. Now, when you hear the word slave, that, that sends up a a red flag to a lot of people. I don't want to be a slave to anybody. Could you hear me to the end when I tell you up front, you are a slave. You are either a slave to this world and its ways, or you're a slave to God. Because you're not your own, the Bible says, you are bought with a price. You, when you are bought, you are bought into the family of God, understanding that with the, his stripes, he paid for your sins, but by the same time, he comes in and takes over in your life. The way he does that is when Jesus came to this earth and was buried, rose, and then starts back to heaven, he tries to explain to people that don't understand, it's best for me to go away. Because I'm here in the flesh, I've got to go away. God is now wanting to live in all of your lives. The only way that that can happen is for me to go back and await my return and for the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one that walks with you and beside you comes to live in your life. Because you're going against an enemy and the only way you're going to defeat that enemy is for Christ in you to be your hope of glory. And for he that is in you to be stronger than that which is in the world.
Because the world is going to come with all guns blazing, every methodology of capturing you, and there are hundreds of ways you can be captured. Some are more visible, some are more obvious, some are more high profile, some are more talked about, but Satan is out to entrap you. Now, my life and your life's job is not to imitate Jesus. Imitators are not very respected. They're not the real thing. What we're here to do is not to imitate Jesus. We're here to participate in the life of Jesus. And Jesus will flow through his Holy Spirit through us to a watching world if we understand what it's going to take to reach our world and then choose to participate in it. I would say to you that uh, if you are having a problem knowing whose you are or who you are, then you're going to have a whole lot of problems. If you understand you're a child of the devil and you have never, ever repented of your sin, and you know that for sure, that's, now you know who's team you If you know you've been born again and you know that Christ lives in you, that's the, the opposite of that. But if you're in the middle and you don't know, you don't know whose side you're on. You know, if you go to a football game and don't know whose side you're on, the best you get to do is sit in the end zone. You don't even get on the sidelines. Because you are the confused. And the Bible doesn't say, blessed are the confused, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. But God takes care of his kids. And he doesn't take care of them like some people do. Uh, I left Houston, Texas in 1959 to go to Baylor University. I went out to Hobby Airport when the mighty TTA Airlines was the premier airlines that flew out of, of Hobby with their magnificent fleet of DC-3 airplanes that were flown in World War II and called Goonie Birds. And they would take off and fly to Waco. There was no machines to go through, countdowns, shakedowns, whatever. But my dad got on the plane with me and my mother, sat on either side. My mother just had a holy fit because her only beloved was leaving to go to the other side of the world. And uh, my daddy stuttered real bad and he said nothing. He just was real quiet until they said, if you don't have a ticket, get off the airplane. And my dad helped my mother get out. And when she got out of hearing range, he just whispered in my ear. He said, son, don't forget whose child you are. Now every parent knows what he was saying. The more I prepared this message, I think my dad was thinking two things when I was thinking one. I was thinking he was my father. Don't forget, you know, and, and mom, you know, they're my parents. And I think that's what he meant. But if I'd have really known what I know now, it would have been more pressure on me because, see, not only when I went to Bader was I a child of Ruth and L.D. Morgan, but I was a child of God. Don't forget whose child you are. You're going out, you're going to be tempted with stuff you never knew existed on the planet. Don't forget whose child you are. See, we have forgotten whose child we are. We, we, we go from Calvary to church and never get back to Calvary. We go out and become active in religious stuff, but we never understand that when we're alone that God lives in us, and Christ in us is the hope of glory. And when we move forward, we have to move forward under the power of his might. 
Many people are defeated all the time, and oftentimes people come up to those of us in the ministry, and they'll say something like this. Well, Pastor, I heard what you said, but, but you just don't know my problems. Now, let me tell you what I want to say to them. I don't say it, but I want to say it to them. But I want to be nice like the reverend is supposed to be. Pastor, you just don't know my problem. You know what I want to think, say to them? You want to swap? I'll swap my problems for your problems if you think that'll help you out any. But the problem is that don't help. We all got the same problem. We've got a guy trying to kill us. His name is Satan. He is awake 24 hours a day, seven days a week. In every situation we're in, we can't get in a room dark enough that he's not there. There's not a light that he cannot handle. And all the time we are dealing with this. But the, but the ministry of Christ, listen, in this world is nothing more than you and me who call ourselves Christians. We are we are the ones that are carrying the person of the Holy Spirit in our life. If people can't see Jesus in us, they won't find Jesus. Birds did not come so people could get saved. The animals did not come. Any of creation. He said, well, that's what the Bible says. No, no. It says those things are evidence of God, but the proof of God is Christ in us. And if we don't get it, the world will not receive it. Because they are so caught up in the affairs of this world plus the confusion of organized religion that has turned away to a lot of do's and don'ts and laws and all this kind of stuff and have forgotten the main thing. You need to go to your Bible when you get home and just circle that Colossians 1:27. Christ in you is the hope. Of glory it is not what we do the message the only message that God wants the world to know is that he makes a difference when he moves into our life and when he moves into your life if he has moved in your life you can sing what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart that's the key that's the key you say, well, you know, I, I ain't gone to seminary and I don't know how to talk and I don't know what words to use. Christ in you. Let God live his life in you. Paul said it this way, Philippians 1:21. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is for Christ to live again. We welcome the difference we see in a person's life if God is really in that life. 2,000 years ago, there was only one person that could say the words of John 14 and 9. He that has seen me, Jesus said, has seen the Father. Today, he that has seen you that has the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, when people see you, they ought to be able to see Jesus in you. This is where he is right now. He's in our lives. He died for us. He bought us. We are divinely entrapped. Do you know if you're a child of God, you can't do anything about changing that? He's not going to give you up for adoption. You're his. 
And he said, I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to forsake you, and you're not going to leave me, and you're not going to forsake me. You're going to have to live with me. Jesus, that person that said that, lives in my heart and yours today if you're a child of God. What did he come for? To show people to the Father. What are we here for? With Jesus in us, Jesus in us will show people the Father. But what if we are just those that have gone through some kind of formula and thought, I'm okay, I, I know God grades on the curves, and most of the things that I know about the folks in this room is I'm doing a whole lot better than they are because I watch them and I try to stay ahead of them because I know God's going to grade. He's not looking for that. He's looking for Christ in you. Let me ask you a question. Many of you, if not most of you, heard this. If you were arrested for being a Christian today, would there be enough evidence to convict you in a court of law? Could it be proven without a shadow of a doubt you're a child of God? If so, how? What would be that evidence? Well, you know, I, I got a Bible, and I read my Bible, and I give every once in a while, and I come to church. I sure do, and I do the best I can. Church people run around today saying, don't do what I do. I mean, do what I say, not what I do. You might as well not say anything. Because you see, the Lord didn't go around and tell us to tell folks how to do it. He said, I want you to let others see Jesus in you. How's it going around where you live? We're told today by those that some way count to a billion that there are a billion people on earth today, today, living that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. A billion. Acts 1.8 says, You'll be my witnesses to the uttermost part of the earth. That means that our presence in churches, communities, schools, corporations, legal system, hospitals, wherever we go, that means that he in us is at all those places. How are we doing? Let me tell you how we're doing. People are laughing at us. Because there's not that much difference. We talk the same. We walk the same. What people see in you when they meet you is what either draws them to Jesus or repels them from Jesus. And that's a fact. That is a fact. People that come to Sagemont, I could give you 10 illustrations this morning that have happened in the last seven days. I'm going to share two or three of them tonight. Where people have called or emailed and said, I cannot believe what some you did and given a word, a look, and a touch and being living proof of a loving God to that watching individual. I could let you listen to a phone call from a deacon in Louisiana break down on the telephone because of the way those of you that visit the hospitals went to visit a member of that church and arrange for the husband a place to stay for the next three weeks while his wife is in total confinement in that hospital. And none of the people knew that person, but the thing that brought them together was Jesus in them and the Jesus in that person that had a need. That's Christianity, folks. It is not about arguing and feuding and fussing about the crazy things. It is about letting God use you because you 
are. You are divinely entrapped. You are a child of God if you've invited him in. And if you have, here's what he expects. Let others see Jesus in your life. That's what the message is. What a remarkable contrast to what a lot of us see today. Who we are or what God says we are in the ministry to do is what we ought to be about. Whatever we do, it's about him. Let your light so shine, they will see the good work, but they'll glorify the Father which is in heaven. The power of the early church was Jesus and the members. No exceptions. The power, the problems of the early church were those that were members that Jesus wasn't in their life. The substitute of anything other than Jesus in us won't fly. It doesn't matter how many good works we do, where is Jesus in this church? Where is Jesus in your family? Where is Jesus in your life? If you are looking for a church home, let me tell you what I'd do if I was going looking for a church home. <clears throat> I'd want to read the minutes of their church conferences, their deacons meetings, and their church committees. The minutes. You'll find out what kind of church they are real, real quick. You'll find out why 19,000 churches in the United States split last year. All you got to do is read their minutes. Why? Because everybody wants their opinion rather than let's make sure God gets glorified. Let's make sure he gets lifted up. Let's make sure that there's that word, that look, and that touch so that anyone that walks inside the door of the church can feel it and sense it. And what you feel, by the way, is not any flesh and blood. What you're feeling is the love of God. Coming through them, saying to them, you're welcome here. If you're a sinner, go and sin no more. But I want to go home with you. John 1, 7 says, The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. The day a person gets saved, listen to this, do you know you have everything you need to carry out God's plan for your life? All you've got to do is perfect it. If you've got love, learn how to share that love. Grace, patience, forgiveness, technical skills, energy. I don't care what you've got. When you get saved and Jesus moves in, you've got everything you need. You, got, you don't need to go looking for some other ingredients. You don't need to go to the variety store and, you know, and say, I'll take a little dab of this, a little dab of that. Can I have a little bit of this? Can I have a little of that? I don't think I have any of that, but I'd like to have a little bit of that. I'd like to be about 3% this, 7% that. When you got saved, Jesus moved in. That's all you need to bring people to Jesus. But we have to get apart from that and let others see Jesus. That's where we have a problem. That's where we have a problem. It's not getting something else. It's committing something else to the Lord. Have you committed your finances? If you are, you won't be, you won't be conned by people on television that are conning you about what it means to give to the Lord. It won't be about give God a dollar and, and, and you'll get ten. I promise you that is not what the Scripture teaches. 
What God wants you to know is that when you take your life, your children, your, your wife, your husband, your business, your job, your body, and say, my body is a temple of God. My business belongs to God. I have nothing. I have no money. God owns everything. All this in the heavens, all this in the earth is his. But he has entrusted me to be the distributor of his wealth. And I will be faithful. And little by little, you'll start to pray, serve, give. You will find a place to serve. You will ask for a place. And you won't just say, well, nobody called me. I wrote a card and nobody called me. Listen, if God wants you to serve, just be here when the door's open. You know, don't let me get to my office till we can sit down and talk. And I promise you, when you go, go home, you will have a place to serve. We will find you a place. But you must understand what I have to give. Jesus. 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 <laughs> Just give them Jesus. That's it. And I can promise you good things will happen. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen, it says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have from God, and you are not your own. What is evangelism? Evangelism is for people to know Jesus because they know you and have met him. Or they met somebody, if not you, they have met Jesus through somebody, and that Jesus has changed their life. God in us, the hope of glory. Colossians 1:27. God chose to reveal himself this way. You know, I think, God, you, you sure you should have done it that way? Because I've known enough people, including myself, I'm not sure I'm representing you that well. You might have come up with a better plan than using me. And God would say, no, John, I know. I know your weaknesses. But I'm going to let them see me if you will just, in your weakness, let me be made strong. The problem is when you think that you're spiritual, now you've got a problem. When you think you're the only one that can interpret a scripture, you got a problem. When you're the only one that has the right answer, you got a problem. But when you stop and you say, Jesus, reveal yourself to others through me, then that song, Let Others See Jesus in You, becomes more than a song. It becomes a way of life. Proverbs 11:30 says, He that wins souls is wise. You say, that's me, I'm a soul winner. No, he that wins souls is Jesus. He's the wise one. Your job is to introduce them to Jesus. Are you doing it? People are rejecting us, but they are not rejecting him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him, and you can't find any fault in him. And everybody in between, there is no fault. He is the one that is perfect, absolutely perfect. And some of us, sadly to say, we've lost the reality of what it means for Jesus to live in our life. We think we can damn his name, throw profanity in all directions, and then come back with, but I believe in God and I believe in the Bible and I hate these folks and I hate those folks which let you know that I feel this way. No, that doesn't work, folks. That does not work. What works is we must decrease and he must increase. But we've got to take him wherever he leads. We will go. We must take him 
where we'll go this week to all the different schools that are represented, to all the different businesses, to all the different neighborhoods, to all the different cities. And the gospel as it goes out all over the world, wherever you are, if the world can see Jesus in you, there is a chance of revival and change. But there is no shortcut. Some of you have lost sight of your place in the world because something catastrophic has happened in your life. Walk through it. Treat your enemies like Jesus did. Remember this. Hurt people, hurt people. Always has been, always will be. And when people quit loving like Jesus does and start criticizing others, it's very clear, very clear, they have forgotten their calling and purpose. It's not what you want, but it's what he wants. It's divine entrapment. Some of us think we're going to live forever. Everybody's going to give an account of themselves to God. What's the, what are we going to do? You've got to account for your language, count for your drinking, count for your drugs, count for your immorality. No, you know what you have to give account of? If you're a believer, what did you do with Jesus? How many people saw Jesus in your life? Did you want people to see Jesus or did you want to draw attention to you? The book of Acts is God's minimum requirement of what God wants us to be. Our unbelief hinders God from doing what he wants to do in our life. Because you see, we have out there in the world those folks that are non-believers and unsaved. The problem is we have saved people in the church that are unbelievers. Now, they've been saved by grace, but they don't believe that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. They don't believe that nothing is impossible if you put your trust in the Lord. They don't believe in Philippians 4.19 that my God is apply all of my need. They are believers by grace, born again, but no, their light is not shining. And our job is to look at our life and say, what can I change? We're divinely entrapped for a divine encounter. I hope that you and I get to have one today. If, if, again, I want to emphasize, if you've been born again, you are changed forever. And until you start using the new things you have in your life, you're going to be miserable. And the world has set out with its music, its movies, its fashion, its comedy, its politics, its economy, its breakup of the family, and add another hundred things or a thousand things to the list. Have tried to turn the attention away from Jesus to everything else this world has to offer. But this world grows strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And especially when you know it's in you. It's in you. Every one of you, if Jesus lives in you, can reach people. Just like Carrie did his friend Sam. That was the guy. What if Carrie would have been on this church staff and compromised on the weekends? You think that man would have been in that baptistry? No sirree. Those things passed away. All things became new. He saw the difference, but what he saw was Jesus Christ. This world is designed to take your mind off of Jesus. He doesn't want you to listen to God's music, God's word, God's Bible study. He does not want you to see what God is doing, the good things he's doing. He'll want to point to you all the bad things. 
and you can't let them do it. Many of us need to go to that private, quiet place and just repent. Confess and repent. In John 6, 28, people said, What shall we do that we might do the work of that we might work the works of God? Listen to the answer in verse 29, John 6, 29. This is the work of God. You ready for this? This is the work of God. Simply that you believe. Believe what? That God is in your life. And whatever you're going through, the valley of the shadow of death, I will go with you. Would you let it happen? Would you let it happen? God is looking for a people. Second Chronicles 16 and 9. For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of a people whose heart is perfect toward him. Well, we're either slaves to sin or we're a slave to God. Which one are you? Which one are you? The man in New York that was carrying a sandwich board, you know, up in the front, it said, I'm a fool for Jesus. And when he walked by, you looked at the one on the back, it said, whose fool are you? I'm just going to tell you, I'm a slave for Jesus. Whose slave are you? You say, I'm not, I don't answer nobody. Oh, yes, you do. Trust me, you do. Just take that one to the bank. You do. You're either a leader or a follower. And if you're a follower, you're either following the world or you're following God. And if you're a leader and you're not following God, you'll give an account for that. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Our Father, I pray that right now these decisions are made and we now go out on the battlefield. Help us see. We're not. It's not what I think and what I want to do. <clears throat> may we be where God wants us to be, doing what you want us to do. May we decrease and you increase, and may others see Jesus in us. So you just deal with us, Father. We're all different. You, all, you had a plan before we ever conceived in the mother's womb. Now lead us in Jesus' name. I pray, amen. Now, folks, <clears throat> listen to me carefully. In a moment, we're going to stand. I want no one moving except those going to the Connection Center for 60 seconds. One of the real reasons, if you don't care where people spend eternity, I'm telling you, there are people here today that need Jesus desperately in their life. And all you've got to do is say, it's more important that I not have to, to stand up and behind somebody and lose 60 seconds. You just be still and know he's God. One verse. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, as many did in the early service, or you want to join this church, or you want somebody to pray with you, I want you to leave during this time. Go to, out that door, turn one step, turn to the left. Go out this door, turn one step, I mean, turn to the right. After you've gone one step through the door into the Connection Center, there'll be people there to love you and let you see Jesus in their life. They're going to go now. In fact, I want them to get up and go right now before we stand. Those of you that are going to help and pray with folks in the Connection Center, would you go right now? And everyone else to remain very still until we sing one verse. Let's stand together and pray. Would you as you stand? God, let somebody today find you as their personal Savior. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.